gather round, it's time for the Big Ten Hoedown. Kick out your heels, jump up and down, shut your eyes and whirl around. Reach out your hand and if no one's there, grab your own hand, dance round in a square. When you're doing the Big Ten Hoedown, gotta have a holler you can One thing and one thing only. Time for the pig pen. Yes. Hello, gents. Hello, pig pen. <laughs> you get the cool one, the snake pit. Mm-hmm. I get the pig pen. That's your own fault. <laughs> All right. So the year 2018, something came onto the scene and exploded like we have never seen before. And if you're listening to this program right now, or you are in ear and or eye shot of me, it has affected all of us, and it affects all of us on a daily basis, multiple times daily. Let's play clip one to reveal what that is. The plague of robocalls is getting worse. They're the number one consumer complaint to the Federal Communications Commission, which receives more than 200,000 protests a year. Robocalls make up roughly 60% of all complaints to the FCC. Yes, we are talking about spam, spam phone calls, robocalls. The times when you look at your phone multiple times a day, of an unknown number in a location that you've never been to, nor do you know anyone from, that you politely just click end call and do not accept. Do you ever answer them? I have a couple of times because they fooled me. And let, before we get to that, let's uh, let's go over a couple of stats to see what happened and why these... Yeah, because I don't even know how they came about. Why these things blew up in 2018. In 2017, there were 30 billion robocalls made overall in the United States. In 2018, that number went up to 48 billion. That's a 57% increase. And in this year, 2019, that number is set to possibly double Definitely to 70 billion, possibly to 100 billion robocalls a year. Now, if you want to break that down, I did a little arithmetic. Right now, there's about 325 million people in the United States. And if you divide that by the number of robocalls or into the number of robocalls, that is 147 calls a year per person in the United States, not counting people that don't have phones and not counting, or no, counting people that don't have phones and counting people that are not even old enough to have phones. Okay, so do you guys get more, because I know the answer to this for me, do you receive more phone calls from robots or people that you know? It is a It is 100 to 1. It is. Actual phone calls. Robocalls last year made up for, I believe, 60% of total calls made on networks in the United States. Are you that way, too? Six out of ten phone calls that are made in the U.S. are robots. Probably out of every ten phone calls I get, I'm probably right about at that average. Six of them will be robots. Yeah. Six out of ten? Do you look at the number and just say, no, do you ever answer? Occasionally, I'll answer just to see what's up, you know, just for fun. Now, if you want to break these... Go ahead. Sorry. 
you know, I, I stay on there for long enough to determine that that's what it is right. and then get out of there. Now, granted, some robocalls are useful. Sometimes you can get a payment reminder for a bill. You can get a reminder for a haircut appointment or some other appoint a doctor's appointment that yeah, you yeah, made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're very, they, they can be very useful, but the percentage of total robocalls that are useful are very, very small. They broke it down of the ones in 2018, and as far as Alerts and reminders, that only made up 21% of robocalls. Payment reminders uh, made up 23%. Now, telemarketing, you would think people trying to sell you something on the up and up would be a high number. It came in the lowest at 19%. The highest percentage of robocalls made in the United States is at 37%. And what do you think that is? I don't even know. Scams. Okay, because Midgets. there are – so I don't answer. Right. And I haven't for for years, but the only times that I have answered, I, like typically it takes three seconds for anything to start happening mm-hmm. on the other end, and I hang up before it gets to that point. Right. But you're saying that those 37%, it will be like people will wait on the phone long enough to hear, you know, hello, who is this? Come on, talk to me. Let's get to that. Okay. And the, and the way they do that is a method called spoofing. Now, I was watching John Oliver a couple of weeks ago, and he did a segment on this um, and referenced specifically spoofing. And what spoofing is is when a person or a piece of software can clone your contact inf- contact information, say maybe the IRS, say maybe it's me calling you, and you'll get a phone call and it'll say it's coming from Dingu, but it's not really me on the other end. It's not coming from my phone. It's coming from another phone acting as an as an imposter using me as their disguise. And this is how they explained it on John Oliver, how this works, and gave an example of a guy that cloned his buddy's contact information and called his buddy's mom and see what he was able to get out of her. Spoofing is undeniably effective. Robocallers can pretend to be calling from your area, increasing the chance that you will pick up. And individual scammers can even pretend to be someone that you know, as one reporter found out. Cybersecurity expert Jim Stickley sets up his phone to call my mom, posing as me. Here we go. Hey, Mom, real quick, I need your social security number. Throw us some beneficiary forms. Can you help me out real quick? What? I've got this beneficiary form. I just need to fill it out. What's your social security number real fast? Uh, oh. Wait, thanks a lot, Mom. Love you. That was it. That was it. I've got her social security number. Wow. That fast. Because it was, she thought it was her son. And, hey, I'm filling out these beneficiary forms, Mom. Real quick, real quick, now. Real quick. And that's all it took. Was that his voice and everything? No, that was was his buddy. That was his buddy that did it as an imposter of him. And the guy was blown away. He's like, oh, my God. That took no effort at all. And the thing that that John Oliver was referencing early in that that, that, that soundbite was they have the ability to to represent that these calls are coming from your city. Now, how many times do you get a call from a 280 number, which happens to be my prefix on my phone, in Grand Prairie? All the t- Yes, I'm 289. That's where they come from. Yes. Why Grand Prairie? To make it appear that they're close to you, so you'll pick up, uh, assuming it's someone that you know in your city. But someone's, why would they... Someone's trying to reach you from Grand Prairie or Dallas or Richardson Why do or they pull the prefix scam? Like uh, familiarity, because is that you get you have to get that we all do. We yeah. get it's always the prefix. Yeah. yeah, you want to get scary on this thing. Yeah, have you ever received a phone call that sounds like a real person and responds to you? It takes your responses 
and customizes their response to reply to you, but it's not real? Have you ever experienced that? I've not that? gone that far. I haven't either. either, Rob. Okay, I haven't either, but this... <laughs> it's like Danny questions. <laughs> but this person is. This is an actual, uh, real-life sounding robocall, but the person on the other end, it's computer-generated. Tell me if you can tell the difference. Well, I'm calling about an online request you once made about health insurance coverage. Okay. Work with all major companies and compare... Hey, are you a robot? <laughs> what? No, I am a real person. Maybe we have a bad connection. I'm sorry about that. Will you tell me you're not a robot? Just say I'm not a robot, please. I am a real person. I mean, I believe you, but will you just say I'm not a robot? It'll make me feel better to hear you say it. <laughs> there is a live person here. If you could say the words, <laughs> I'm not a robot, it would really mean a lot to me. I am a real person. Can you hear me okay? Right, but will you say I'm not a robot? What you have there is a pre-recorded a woman that pre-recorded all of these responses, and they were placed into a data bank to where the appropriate ones were used to answer the questions that you asked. Yeah. And, it, and the computers are that smart. It sound. I mean, that, that was sounds a, like a real. It was a conversation. Real, yeah. Yes. Now I've never run across that, but I have heard about that. <laughs> so essentially. God, if it was chancy, how great would that be? So anyway, you're probably asking yourself on how you can stop these. Let's say you are getting calls, sales calls from whatever bank that you're yeah. a part of, and you're just like, okay, no, I don't want to Deutsche refinance bank. my house. Or, yeah, yeah, Deutsche Bank. Listen to the hoops you have to jump through, as John Oliver explains from his show a couple of weeks ago on how to get out from under these robocalls. What can we do about this? Well, on a personal level, you can tell individual companies you do business with not to call you. By law, they're actually not allowed to robocall your cell without consent. But that is where this gets tricky. Because those user agreements that you agree to, you know, the ones that no one has ever read, they often give companies consent to robocall you and can make revoking it incredibly difficult. For instance, if you're a customer of Credit One Bank and you want them to stop robocalling your cell, just take out your user agreement and turn to page 4, section 19C, where you'll find that you have to physically mail them written notice featuring your name, mailing address and the last four digits of your account number to this P.O. box in Nevada. And it makes total sense why you would opt not to do that. I would rather receive a thousand phone calls a day, every day, for the rest of my life then go out and buy a stamp. <laughs> <laughs> so even if you want out of these, which you signed up for, because when you do your whole bank thing and you're going through your documents and it scrolls down, it says, click here to say that you've read it and you agree to the terms. Well, in those terms, you agree to them robocalling you. God, and if you want to get out of it, then this is one scenario where they make it very, very difficult. I just... I just want to know the people, persons who are actually answering this that make this worthwhile. It's fishing, man. All it takes is one out of a out of ten thousand, and who knows how much money they can make off that one person's social security number, stealing their their identity, getting access to their bank accounts, their credit card numbers. It's all it takes is one out of ten thousand. And it's or, and unfortunately, it's it's more often than not, it's the elderly. The elderly. Yeah. Or if you don't know the number. Don't pick up. That's the main thing you can do that they talked about. The, the way to avoid this is if it's not 
in your contact, don't answer it. No. Yeah. And if they leave a message, then they leave a message. And if they don't, they don't. And right. And 99 times out of 100, they don't leave a message. You know, I hung up twice yesterday um, on my kid calling from school. Yeah. Like, the phone rang. I hit decline immediately. Yeah. The phone rang with the same number again, and I'm like, oh, really? You think this is, is going to work, you know? And I just I didn't answer it. And then I, I come home, and he's like, I tried to call you twice today. Yeah, from what? I was like, what? I don't have your school number plugged in there, you know? But that's that's how I won't answer any number yeah. that I don't know. That's what they recommend is just don't answer the phone. Yeah. And if you feel suspicious at all when you do pick up the phone and you feel comfortable with the number, even though you may not know it, hang up. That's why you got to get your voicemail set up. I know it's popular with people my age to just not have voicemail. But yeah. if there's a number I don't see, I'm not answering it. And if they leave me a message and it's someone that needs to get in contact with me, I'll call them back. That's a True. great way to handle it, too. All right. Good that's stuff, the, Pigpen. That's the Pigpen for week three. Good stuff, Pigpen. The ticket. Okay, everybody gather around. It's time for the Pigpen. Hold down. Kick out your heels. Jump up and down. Shut your eyes and whirl around. Reach out your hand and if no one's there, grab your own hand, dance round in the square. When you're doing the Pigpen, hold down. Gotta have a call or you. Big Pen, ladies and gentlemen, in for the pig, and in for Danny, it's Corby. Thank you very much. Okay, Bob, so this weekend is the NCAA Sweet 16, which does not consist of 32 teams. It consists of 16. Oddly enough. (laughs) Who knew, right? Right. Uh, so anyway, you will see some familiar teams, you will see some familiar faces, but you also see some outliers. And I think the biggest outlier, of course, will be the little team from Tulsa, Oklahoma, known as Oral Roberts University. So we, you and I were just kicking around crap the other day in a break. Yes. And you brought up a very interesting point. You yes. said, didn't he want to build... A 900-foot Jesus. Well, my first question was actually, didn't he tell everyone he was going to be called home by our Lord if he didn't raise X several million dollars? Yeah. Because that seemed, as a as a young church attender, and once that made it around the church school circuit, that a preacher is saying, basically God has a gun to his head. Yeah saying you need to raise this much money or it's over yeah that really rocked us all dude and it's all true as uh, they say about the jedi it's all true and so growing up in this area and ty i know you were in this boat and you ended up going to college up in oklahoma mm-hmm. oral roberts was always this real weird figure that as a kid i didn't really know what it was about other than it was churchy same Right? Even like, even as a churchy guy, I had no idea what he was up to. Yeah. That's how my grandmother, she watched Oral Roberts every Sunday morning on TV. Okay. That's how she got her church. So it's funny you mention that because Oral Roberts was the first true televangelist. Now, back before televangelism was slotted as really, really over the top and evil, and you knew that these guys were up to no good and and speaking in tongues and healing and all that. 
Think about the the 50s and 60s of how you would get your message out. You know, there are two ways, television and radio, and television was this new medium. And so, yeah, if you wanted, if you were of, of uh, if you were a godly person, why not take advantage of what television had to offer? And right. it had to offer, there are only four stations. Odds are that if you got put on TV, you had millions of people watching you. And I would imagine the exponential offering plate that TV would provide because if you're passing the plate in your church, it's to, you know, pay a reasonable salary as long as well as pay the bills at the church and these types of things. But what if you were seen by millions? What would that be? Well, it turned out to be millions. And so Oral Roberts, who in the 40s was just a local Shawnee pastor. Shawnee's a small town in Oklahoma. He was born in Ada, Oklahoma, which is another small town. So he's this small town pastor. Then he figures out a way to really start turning eyeballs and heads. And that is faith healing. And I guess this was like uh, like the traveling medicine man that you would always see back in the day or you would hear about that he would travel in his wagon from town to town and sell this magic elixir, which everybody knew was, you know, years later was just a load of crud. Would set up like a circus tent and have like a revival. Right, and he was like a carnival barker almost. And so it was, it was a part salesman, part faith-based, part doctor. They would make tons of money just going town to town selling these magic elixirs. I'm not saying that, because I do think Oral Roberts was a godly person at the time, Uh but I think that he quickly saw that there was a market, and... Dude, I think think we see this all the time, and it's not limited to God's word or preaching the, the gospel or whatever. I think it's probably in literally every walk of life. I'm Politicians absolutely suffer from this. But man, there is something that is as powerful as the most addictive drug as you can get when you start seeing people do what you want them to do, right? Yeah. And it, I bet you it's so easy to lose the plot once you realize, wait a minute, all I got to do is say this and the money comes rolling in or or people you know, flock to whatever cause I throw them at. Yeah. I bet you it takes quite a dude to remain what you believe is like, actually what God's asking you to do rather than what your ego is asking you to do or whatever the case may be. So when he starts his television televangelism campaign, like Ty was saying, his grandmother, that's the way that she consumed church. And there were millions and millions of people just like her who would write $5 checks or $10 checks and it's tax-free. And it just became a gold mine for these people. She had like so many notes, you know, where she would send money in and they would send her a thank you note. Right. And you keep the personal notes mm-hmm. from strictly that were written by Oral Roberts. Look what Oral sent me. Look at that. Yeah. He cares about me. And so my grandparents were the opposite side of it. And because he was from Oklahoma, now he's got a college, for God's sakes, that's still thriving. Oh, yeah. And it's got a good basketball team. Really good basketball team. Boy, how did he uh, How did he plan on that? I don't know. But my grandparents, my grandpa, if that ever popped up on a Sunday morning, my grandpa would say, turn that off. That guy's full of mumbo-jumbo. 
And so people in Oklahoma were very leery of what this guy was actually selling. And so the faith healing thing, imagine in the 50s when his name started to spread that this guy could cure sick people. He could put his hands on people and cure them. Well, people weren't really aware that there were phonies out there. They thought that this guy, he was on TV. It's true. And people, I've I've been told that this guy not only healed sick children, this guy is damn near capable of raising the dead through God. Not I think himself. he claimed it. He claimed it. Mm. And he goes to South Africa, and he packs the biggest soccer field that South Africa has. We're talking 50,000, 100,000 people, and he would do the faith healing. He would lay his hands on people. There were lines of people a mile long waiting for this guy. And by the time news came back to the States that this was going on over there, everybody wanted a piece of Oral Roberts. The television show went through the roof. Yes, Ty, there were claims that he could raise the dead. Um, the, the rumors were going just absolutely bazonkers. And it got so big, he was making $120 million a year by the time the 80s rolled around. Whoa. Yeah. In 80s money. Yeah. In the 60s, he was making enough to found Oral Roberts University. This is 17 years after, or about 15 years after, he branched off and became a faith healer. From basic preacher to faith healer, he was able to start this, this campus. Um, and you may be familiar with this. Students signed an honor code, in uh, back then at least, pledging not to drink, smoke, or engage in premarital sex of some kind. Or was that just known? Um, well, see, <laughs> the Oral Roberts, you know, it, there was a fork in the road, right? Where, yeah. Where if, like, the Falwell-Billy Graham fork went one way and i'm not saying in any way everything there was flawless but i think they stopped way short of raising the dead or faith healing and uh and i think there was a split where oral roberts was kind of i'm not saying on his own but had sort of left the reservation of what your general baptist yeah types thought so oral now, roberts now, by the way oral roberts and billy graham we're 1A and 1B as far as going someplace and being able to sell out a 100,000-seat venue back then. Yeah. That, that was the first thing at Texas Stadium was a Billy Graham revival right. that Tom Landry, I believe, spoke at. And Billy Graham is sort of the Tom Landry of absolutely of, 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 yes. of that uh, department. I mean, they, they, they almost overlap in, in some respects. But back to the honor code, are you speaking of it like at Liberty? I, mean, just in basic I think you just put your right schools. hand up and you said... Uh, like, did you do that, Ty? I don't drink, uh, smoke, or chew, or go with girls who do. <laughs> Shoe Mark. No, it was just we didn't have to. We you don't have to mark that. <laughs> we didn't have an honor code or anything, but it was in the rules that if you did certain things on campus and they caught you, it was grounds for expulsion, including like like just going to a going girls' to a, dorm. Okay, I was yeah. gonna say in our case, well, this was our high school, but even going to like a movie theater because you know what, Corby, those. Good movies you're seeing pay for the X-rated ones. Of course. I'm like, Mom, they don't. <laughs> right, right, Mom. Yeah, on. they do. 
So things got really weird for old Oral Roberts back in 1980. So the campus had been around for 17 years. He had all these visions of what to do on this Tulsa campus. He told everybody that he had a vision in 1980 of a 900-foot Jesus. Um, <laughs> and said that it was a spiritual vision that was... Jesus told, 900-foot Jesus told him that you need to finish building your City of Faith Medical Center at the time on the campus of Oral Roberts University. And 900-foot Jesus became the biggest punchline of the Oral Roberts run. So, for I have so many questions about this. Was this the time where he basically said he was staying in the tower till the money comes in or something like that? No, or, this was a different one. That was mid to late 80s when yes, he did this, that. Okay, but this also wasn't the one where God was going to call him home if he didn't get the money? No, totally different. He says, okay. I was standing out in front of the unfinished medical building. We were out of funds. No more money was coming in. And I felt I had been called to merge God's healing streams from medicine and prayer that's how I got my healing, and I was standing there very discouraged. I had my head down praying. I raised my head up, and lo and behold, there was Jesus, 60 <laughs> stories high. And he said, all it would take to finish it and get all the doctors and nurses and the prayer partners in my inner eyes, uh, they saw my Savior just rise up uh, above behind it and stand above it, and I felt him speaking in my heart that, I told you you couldn't build it, but I've spoken to your partners, and if you will trust me, I will build it through you. So all these people were like, oh, my God, Oral Roberts just saw 900-foot Jesus. Where do I write my check? Yeah. Now, again, he's appealing to the dirt poor who are sending him checks for $2.50. But there are hundreds and hundreds of thousands of these people. Yeah, and there's some who are quite well off who are redirecting their entire tithe uh, in his direction. Right. Do you know how big 900 feet? Do you have any idea what we're talking about? A Relate this foot to Jesus? me. Tell everybody what 900-foot Jesus is. The Eiffel Tower. <laughs> it would literally be a Jesus the size of the Eiffel Tower in Tulsa. Like It's unreal. Tulsa, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like you would be flying by in a commercial jet, and you would look down and you would see... An 80-story-tall 80, 80 Jesus. Yes. I kind of want to see it. I do, too. Would he be waving? What would he be doing? I don't know. I don't know. Finger. Would it be cool, Jesus? No, he would not be, Sam. And no, he wouldn't be in the Heisman pose, either. That so. would, that'd be awesome. <laughs> Three-point stance, just, maybe? Just probably standing there nice. Is he wearing a tuxedo T-shirt because my Jesus likes, likes to, to party? party. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then a couple of years later is the infamous, hey, I'm getting ready to be killed by Jesus unless you donate $4 million to me. All this goes to say, how in the hell is this campus still thriving under this name of this modern-day shyster? I don't I'm, understand I'm a, Well, it. I'm assuming they have deviated back to a more palatable path, don't you think? Dude, I have no idea. Well, I assume they have because they're not in the news every year for wild stunts like he was well that's true in the 80s. that's true so the dallas connection to the 900 foot jesus i did not put this together until you said to me bob 
the other day, are you aware of the 900-foot Jesus claim? I'm like, I don't think so. And then I start reading about it, and then I'm like, oh my God. So back in the 90s, when the Dallas rap scene was getting going, and I talked to Skin about this earlier, the one guy that broke out of the Dallas rap scene in the 90s was this rapper, an industrial rapper, not a hip-hop guy, this is a white guy, named MC 900-Foot Jesus. Shut up. Swear to God, mm-hmm. dude. Do you remember him? I remember that name. Yes, I've always known about MC 900-Foot Jesus. I Did you know this was Oral Roberts-based? Uh, no, I really didn't. Yeah, I didn't either. I, cu- I could not believe it that I just now realized in the last 24 hours that this guy that I've always been aware of, and this guy was big. This guy was like MTV big. Wow. Yes. And uh, here, you can pull this up, Mino. This I know this song was played on MTV. Oh, yeah, I know this. If I only had a brain. And Skin said he was very, very legit back then. Like, Suppose I accidentally got my shit together. Oh! Whoa. <laughs> Man, I can't, believe, I can't believe 900-foot Jesus would say that. <laughs> we got it, but wow. It's the only song on here that doesn't say explicit. Uh, sorry, but uh, anyway, <laughs> MC 900-foot Jesus. I don't know how much we lost of that. How, what does it go back? 10, 20 seconds? Yeah, seven. Seven? Okay, we're good. You got you heard, to hear the first couple seconds. Yeah, you heard the beat. But anyway, yes, one of the most famous slash infamous of all the Dallas rappers is 100% cribbed from the 900-foot Jesus story from Oral Roberts. That's incredible. I think you need one more fun fact about how tall 900-foot Jesus would be. Okay. The Statue of Liberty? Yeah. 305 feet. Oh, my God. <laughs> Can you imagine something three times the height of my Statue of Liberty? God. The ticket. What's on Mike's mind today? What's on Mike's mind? Everybody wants to know just what is on Mike's mind. Let's all gather around the fire and open up a bottle of wine. Because everybody wants to know just what is on Mike's mind. Was it called penises? Thank you. Who's being leveraged here? Canton Hall and Vaughn Lane. Master. Well, it is April 1st. It is April Fool's Day. We are through the first quarter of the year. And you know where we're heading into, Corby? The second quarter? There. That. And you know what else? Uh, what is April known as, Mike? You have names for all these months. We just passed the windy month. Yes, we did. What is April? The rainy month? April showers bring May flowers, Corby. Okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Neat. It is also gator mating season down in Florida. <laughs> is this unique content, Mike? I think it I is. I think it is. Okay. Yeah. We're staring at unique content. Just yeah. checking. I think we are staring at unique content. Gator. The type that you're probably not going to get anywhere else. Gator well, mating it's hell, season. It's a hell of a way to start the show, in my opinion. Continue. Well, yes, it is the start of gator mating season, and I must say, 
It has gotten off to a pretty smashing start down there because this past Thursday, down in the Florida Berg of Jupiter. How do they do it? Animals have penises. Oh. Well, that, that answers the question. Seriously. How do gators do that? Is there some sort of... Gators, I don't know. Gator style? Some weird... And don't, she ate it. <laughs> <laughs> this happened down in Jupiter where the Jupiter Police Department, and Jupiter is somewhere down like at the uh, southern tip. Is that where the tiger East- wrecked his car? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, the Jupiter Police Department. Or where Tiger lives. <laughs> Jupiter's also where Orchids of Asia was, right? Yes, that's right. A lot of activity there. Yeah, mm-hmm. quite the hub. Well, the police department, on one of the rare occasions where they were not preoccupied by the goings on at Orchids of Asia, mm-hmm. were alerted because a business owner <laughs> who rides herd over his business and what looks to be a very average, spare, typical South Florida office park. Probably the worst kind of scene that one can imagine to be involved in. He is, I guess, looking out his window one day, and he sees an alligator just loping along. This was not an ordinary one, though. This was a 12-footer. Mm. Huh. Nearly 750 pounds. Mm. Just walking along Mm. there. And he figured that he had better alert the authorities to this. And so he called 5-0, got them out there. They called animal control. And the next thing you knew, you had all manner of the authorities trying to figure out what to do with this. And somehow, probably by, by... Putting the gator under a little bit. Trank the gator? Yeah, tranking him. They were able to uh, shut him down enough to where they 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 could restrain his jaw and wrap it up and everything like that and get him out of there. You know, you can hold a gator's jaw shut with your thumb and forefinger. I don't think that's true. You can. That's 100% true. You can put a rubber band around it and you can hold it shut like that. Have you ever done that? Now, you can't. When they open it, mm-hmm. it's hard to close it. Yeah. But once it's closed, all you have to do is, that's a very well-known fact, animal fact. First time I've ever heard that. Look it up on your phone. You'll see that I'm correct. I've never heard of that either. I think I'm right. I don't think I'm making that up. Well, this dude drew quite a crowd down there. You seem real confident. Yeah, I know. Of bypassers and other office park inhabitants and all that, but... They said they were able to get the gator out of there without harm, and he was taken to a gator farm in central Florida where he will live out the remainder of his gator days. What well, was he looking for action? Well, it's mating season. I know. So, I mean, that's... Maybe he... Actually, I gotta go get it This right was a now. few days before mating season. Maybe he wanted to, you know, find him a nice gator piece and get a little jump on it before all the good good ones were taken. Do you understand how what? much better our lives would be if there was just a season for us? Like instead of it being like two and a half months out of the year. Instead of whatever, what is how long does gator season last or mating season last? A month maybe? 
We're like one month. Y'all know it's coming. As it were. Yeah, so to speak. It runs through June. Okay. But that's it. And then after that, it's just like, hey. So they got like three months. Yeah, that's perfect. That's all you need. And then you move on. And your lives you aren't preoccupied. Live, you with just live normal life for the other nine months. Yeah, and then you're get like things done, and yes, you're productive, and, and you're work out. Friends, you're, you're hanging out with your buddies all the time, and you never even look at another girl. You don't think about another girl. You're not on Smilf.com or whatever you like to look at, Mike. <laughs> yeah, I don't look at much of anything these days. <laughs> <laughs> you just live and then for a couple of months you know you you get things moving yeah but you have to do it like all the time during those mating months right no that just means you're interested mm, i think it increases in frequency does that mean too that the female is ready as well like she's into this yes. you yes. have to wine and diner you just like hey it's mating season let's go yeah let's get this over with they just okay find each other and and I don't know, maybe have a beer, a gator beer. and At Gators. Then <laughs> rear up on hind legs or whatever it is they do and hit it. Why have we never seen hit it. gator videos? Gator Like we've seen every other I animal. I you I could find it real fast. I don't want to. I feel that we'll get in trouble for that. With who? I don't know. Seriously. Somebody. Yeah. We're being watched, you know. We are. Especially now. They're on us. Okay. They say that female alligators usually don't get beyond 10 feet long. American male alligators, though, grow larger like this one. Their average size is a little bit over 11 feet, and they can also weigh up to 1,000 pounds. The heaviest on record was a 1,043-pounder down there in Florida. Just amazing. God. Gators. It's amazing that those things still exist. Gators. They're dinosaurs, man. They are. They the are. prehistoric creatures. Yes, they are. Living amongst us and among us. Boy, this is a big thing, though, man. If you're just at work one day and you look out your cubicle window and out on the front lawn and you see this, man, I would flip. What about the stories of finding them in the pool and all that stuff? Like you go back out, you know, to your backyard and then boom, they're out there. Sure, that's even worse. There was some video that was posted a couple of weeks ago of people swimming in their pool and a gator sneaks in there and tries to kill them. I don't doubt it, man. All right, we got to go.